welcome to AIPT Comics Podcast, episode 111. My name is David Brooke, and I'm here with Nathan Simmons. Nathan, how you doing? I'm doing good, David. How are you? Oh my god, I can feel that in the back of my neck. It's some good NPR energy we've got right now, like some, uh, uh, yeah. which is funny because I spent all morning like reading through recipe books and stuff, so I feel like I'm ready to, you know, host my own human interest podcast. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking about that SNL skit too with uh, Alec Baldwin. Oh, sure. Or, or was it balls? No, he my had, sweaty he had... balls. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Classic. What is what is the deal with? I guess because um, the predominant audience of mm. NPR are older folks. The <laughs> the the hosts or anchors yeah. have a calmer demeanor for their sake. I, guess. I love it. I think it's I think it's so relaxing. Uh, it's yeah. funny. My dad bought a, a Camaro last year, and my my mom nice. borrowed it for the day and Uh-oh. she told him you cannot own this car if you're only going to listen to NPR because like every time she turned on like turned on the radio that's funny. it was it was either this or it was like like elevator jazz <laughs> that's funny and yet it's I, I I assume she meant that it's not badass enough Right, yeah, she's yeah, just like, got you gotta, it. let's get you a Metallica CD or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. Well, if you don't know, this is the comic book podcast where we recap the biggest news of the week, we review the best books of the week, we look ahead to the best and brightest books of next week, mm-hmm. and we have special guests, too. This week, Carla Pacheco will be joining us to talk about Spider-Woman, which just came out this week. I think it was Spider-Woman number nine, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's one of the craziest, uh, most fun books you could probably read. It's just on swinging for the fences every week. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Or every month, and, uh, rather. <laughs> she's uh, She's been paired with Perry Perez for every issue. And mm-hmm. I keep telling people, Perry Perez, going to be drawing an event within five years. Oh, sure. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And if all things work out, and I'll cut this if I have to, <laughs> Carla's mom will also be on the show. And so we're going to be getting... The full Carla experience. She was last <laughs> on this show way back in 2019, right before she actually got Spider-Woman, right. but also before the 2099 book that she did as well. So it'll be cool to catch up with her and see how the world and life of her Spider-Woman experience has changed things. Yeah, for sure. But before we get to that interview, let's recap the news. So Marvel Comics released their full solicitations on Thursday. And while we know most of the things that are in this already, since Mm -hmm. they released little tidbits throughout the month, Mm -hmm. there were a couple big surprises. Well, I don't know. Were they big surprises? Eh. They they were exciting. I mean, they're cool. I don't know (laughs) that I was necessarily, like, surprised. We definitely got to see a lot of cool art. That's kind of the yes. thing you get with the solicits at these point. Like there are really cool variants you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that Reptile is a new series that was actually announced a few hours before, or maybe the day before the solicits came out. But that was mm-hmm. a new thing. Um, I'm not familiar with Reptile. Are you? No, not really. No, mm-hmm. I I was the. No, actually, I was I was thinking about the. I thought you were going to bring up Curse of the Man thing. <laughs> Which was like the, the oh one yeah, that I'm really hype about. But no, yeah, yeah Steve Orlando uh, Re- Reptile. I'm not super familiar with. Curse the Man thing is by Steve Orlando, and who is the artist? Oh God, um, uh, Andrea Bricardo. And- yes, that looks really cool. Yeah, I I'm I a do sucker wonder... for for the I'm, the Man Thing character is just so strange mm. and weird and yeah. such a artifact of the '70s. And every time he pops up in a story, it's just. You know, it's going to be weird and seeing mm-hmm. all these other, you know, 
offbeat supporting characters in this book is really exciting. It's interesting. Orlando, you know, he was supposed to have that uh, Doctor Doom book last May, but the pandemic threw that off. So we still haven't gotten that. But and that was actually solicited, too. Mm -hmm. But at this point, he is now two for two on X-Men books because he's got the um, Here's Reborn tie in coming out in Mm -hmm. May as well. But yeah, also Chip Zdarsky's Spider's Shadow is coming out. Alien and Predator continue to get variant covers across their yeah. line. Are they going to do that all year? Are it's we going to so get Predator odd. covers? Like, it is, right? Yeah, I never thought I would be excited to see Valkyrie throw down with the Predator, but it's a really cool cover. Mm, it is. It really is. Uh, but King in Black is over, and Heroes Reborn is taking over. So mm-hmm. that's the biggest takeaway, I think, from May. Um, we're actually going to get the first four issues of Heroes yeah. Reborn in May alone. And it's a seven-part series, so I guess it's a two-monther. I don't know about you, but it screams, hey, if DC gets to have a Elseworlds two-month event, why can't we? Right. <laughs> yeah, I. it looks really fun. I mean, we've talked a little bit about how we're still not 100% sure what this series is or, you know, how, how, it, how it's going to play out, but it's... I, it just I, I I get into these like I really do get into these alternate universe stories. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see the weird little mashups and stuff. For sure. Oh, also uh, Trials early... of Ultraman looks rad. The, the <laughs> oh Ultraman yes series looks great. Yeah, the sequel series to the first one that uh, ended last year. Yeah, and the, yeah. they're doing those variants that have uh, screenshots from the OG TV oh my series, God. which I Ridiculous. love. Ridiculous, so good. Um. Earlier in the week, uh, Marvel actually revealed uh, the War of the Bounty Hunters event, a mm-hmm. Star Wars event uh, that will actually be a crossover, a traditional crossover across all their books, yeah. including Darth Vader, Star Wars, Bounty Hunters, and Dr. Aphra. Um, Charles Sewell was actually on Will Sliney's Twitch uh, back on like Wednesday, I think, mm-hmm. and he was answering questions about it. Basically... Uh, if you don't know, the uh, event will will take place after Empire when Boba Fett has uh, kidnapped Han Solo and Carbonite. And what happened between that that uh, movie and Return of the Jedi? And I guess at some point, Charles said, Boba Fett loses Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the implication seems to be that now that Han Solo's on ice, everyone else thinks it's going to be really easy for them to like get him and take the bounty for themselves. Right, right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I, it's Should a great cool. idea. I love, uh, and I love that it's just Boba Fett versus the Star Wars universe, essentially. Oh my God, Boba Fett kills the Star Wars universe. <laughs> we should get that event. <laughs> I'd read it. The only other big Marvel tease was their Fantastic Four 60th anniversary. Uh, Valerio Shidi drew a really cool double-page spread yeah. teasing what we'll get throughout the year, including Doctor Doom getting married. Yeah, it was in a mysterious veiled bride. Yeah, who will it be? Aunt May. I think it's Cyclops. You think it's Cyclops? <laughs> I don't know. I think I think Aunt May is married to enough supervillains that it's, oh, it's that's funny. It's possible. And, and then you can do like a Doc Ock Doctor Doom bachelor party. Yes, and it'll be really awkward because they both got with her, right? They're they're a thruple. <laughs> I would I'd read that. <laughs> Oh, no. There's also um, some teases in the background. I think there's a Silver Surfer burning. There's Mm -hmm. uh, Thing versus Mr. Fantastic. Uh, Some other stuff to check out. I I don't know. I'm excited, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, It's Arby Silva and Dan Slott. I mean, Arby Silva's just killing it on art. Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. it's going to look great. Uh, Moving on. DC Comics blew our minds. 
with yeah. the reveal that Nathan DM'd me and said, we're talking about this on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was I think I think my exact words were, bro. <laughs> so yeah, uh, they are launching Superman 78 and Batman 89. These are two digital first series that will eventually be put into print, uh, but they will be set in the movie universes you know and love. Just so cool. Robert Venditti is doing uh, Superman 78 with Alfredo Torres, who did Batman 66, is doing the artwork on 78. Yeah. Um, the I, I love already everything that's come out from it is just, I mean, much less of the Superman artwork has, has been revealed, but it's, mm. a, it's a nice likeness for Christopher Reeve. Very mm-hmm. super bright colors, him like mm-hmm. kind of popping out, flying straight into the... Uh, straight into the camera, as it were. Uh, mm-hmm. And Batman 89 is written by Sam Hamm, who wrote the screenplay to the, to the original Batman movie mm-hmm. and drawn by Joe Canones. Uh, it's it, I'm just so excited. I can't, I'm literally speechless. I'm so excited about mm. this. I uh, was recently on my friend's uh, podcast, the VHS files talking about Batman 89 and mm-hmm. how it like left such a huge impression on me as as a kid and um you know even though it's one of those movies where i can like see the cracks same thing with superman 78 sure i still i love it 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 will always hold like a place in my heart um and you know there's been some there's been some artwork that's been revealed from that one that shows uh bruce wayne out of costume and he's modeled after an action figure from batman 89 yes yeah that's Uh, that's wild like yeah does, doesn't that just confirm this is all nostalgia, isn't it's it? Great. It's like yeah. playing into that, which and, isn't bad. But. And there's a, there's a Joker gang where one of them is modeled after Prince's Gemini character from the Bat Dance music video. <laughs> yeah, it's like all in canon now. Everything counts. It's so great. I this, this was genuinely like my favorite news of the week. I was smiling all day when this, when this news came out. Um, it's, also, it's, it's not launching for a bit. It's right. not until July that we'll be getting these. So they probably just got the AOK to start uh, drawing and writing. Sure. But I have to ask you a question. Yeah. In Batman 89, uh-huh. if uh, Joe Quinones draws Batman uh, in a way where he can turn his head, will you immediately burn no, your computer? Not accepted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's fine to, to draw this version of Batman <laughs> able to actually fight. That'd be cool. Um, you know, it was funny. We, we, we rewatched Batman 89 and my, my girlfriend goes like, this is, this is the slowest car chase I've ever seen. And I was like, that's, that's because funny. they have one soundstage. <laughs> like they're trying not to use <laughs> the whole right. thing right now. They're going around one corner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You get that from Batman Returns, right? Like everything takes place in that one. Yeah. Uh, Gotham square. square. Yeah. Gotham yeah. Plaza. And then in the first movie, it's like, wow, every, every important thing happens in front of the Monarch Theater. That's so cool. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I'm really excited too. I think these will be really fun. Yeah. And I, it makes me wonder like, uh, how could Marvel do it or another publisher? I, f- I feel like maybe another publisher later in the news is also capitalizing on nostalgia, but we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, sure. Um, so some more DC Comics news. Mm-hmm. On Friday at the Comics Pro virtual retailer event, um, DC revealed uh, a whole slew of titles mm-hmm. um, with no creators attached, but we know only that these titles will be coming out in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, some highlights include um, DC Middle Ages, Elseworld, DC Vampires, working title, mm-hmm. um, Robin and Batman, Joker, A Puzzle Box, 
and Crush and Lobo, I think, are a couple that are like, huh, what is that about? Yeah. Jo- well, hope I hope Joker, a puzzle box, is just Joker versus Hellraiser. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be amazing. Um, I didn't think of that. That's funny. I, yeah. No, th- these were really exciting. I... I love that DC Vampires isn't a set in stone title. They're just like, look, we can yeah. print money with this concept. Let's just say. <laughs> um, right. And I'm assuming Elseworld will spin out of death metal with the uh, with that, that Elseworld yeah. that was revealed at the end of that book. Uh, I was talking to Chris Franey about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a series back in like the 80s. Um, what was it called? It was called like, it was like a line of, of Elseworld tales. Yeah. So I, I think it's sort of spinning out of that idea. Well, and multi and the multiverse, basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I'm, little... I'm excited to see because Elseworld, they used to do because they had all the Elseworlds tie ins and specials and stuff. Yeah. And then one yeah, yeah, one yeah. or two years they did a, you know, all of the annuals were part of an Elseworlds line. Like they did Tales of the Dead Earth mm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if this this draws on any of those stories or if this is going to be something completely different. Uh, one theory that I've seen floated out online is that the Elseworld is kind of like Battle World, where all of the Elseworld oh. stories have happened in different regions, which yeah. would be kind of interesting. Um, you know, yeah, again, that's like just a wild fan theory, but uh, I'm into it. I did a little write up on Friday night about this, and I was remembering uh, Jeff Lemire mm-hmm. just a few weeks ago revealed he's got two. DC Black Label books that have yet to be announced. One of these is probably one of those. Maybe Joker Puzzle Box. I don't know. Oh, sure. Maybe that's and the then, follow-up to Killer Smile. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be logical. And then Scott's, like a month ago, Scott Snyder was on this podcast. Mm-hmm. He, he, I think he confirmed that he has, he's not done with DC. He has mm-hmm. other projects. And I don't know why, but DC Middle Ages makes me think he might be doing that. Do you think that'll be like um, Marvel 1602? Oh, that'd be interesting. I I was actually the first thing I thought of was that weird. Um, what was the what was the prehistoric DC line that they did like a year or two ago? Yeah. And uh, Snyder was involved in that too, right? right. Like, yeah, it just Batman seemed, was it, sent to the caveman age, right? Yeah, and there were like all the <laughs> like the kind of Mego style or Mattel style action figures that that came out. Mm. Uh, that that right. was what my mind went to was like another take on that property. It's so funny when people are like, Dark Dark Knight's Death Battle is too over the top. And it's like, did you did you not remember that Snyder did a caveman Batman like event play at one point? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Snyder and uh, yeah, Snyder and Morrison have done Caveman Batman, and it's great. Oh man. <laughs> uh, a couple of no-brainers on this list. A Wonder Woman 80th uh, anniversary one shot is likely to come for ten dollars. Yeah. You'll get like ten or twelve stories. Um uh, Nubia and the Amazons isn't too surprising since uh, DC's been hyping Nubia uh, for since October. Yeah, I'm hoping it's the same creative team that was on the Future State book because uh, yeah, I really, too. really enjoyed that 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 story. Robin and Batman is interesting simply because they've inverted the name, right? Mm-hmm. So what is that? Is that Grant Morrison coming back? No, it's not Grant Morrison coming back. But I mean, <laughs> it, it could mean that maybe this is a Josh Williamson book where Robin is paired with Batman and he's like, I don't know, telling him what to do. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and Deathstroke Inc. is probably like Batman Inc., right? So there's going to be a whole global Deathstroke situation. Yeah, yeah Deathstroke uh, putting together a team of assassins all over the globe. Yeah, that, that seems like a healthy thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Also, DC revealed some Snyder Cut variant covers on Friday night. And yeah. uh, Liam Sharp, Jim Lee, and Lee Bermejo 
did all these covers. So they got the top artists doing some Zack Snyder tie-in HBO Max covers for an upcoming Justice League book that is written by Brian Michael Bennis and drawn by David Marquez. Mm-hmm. So this is a cool... I mean, if I was Bendis, I'd be like, oh, this is a great way to start my <laughs> my my foray in the Justice League because now I'll get all these jerks reading my... No, sorry. <laughs> it creates more excitement around his book, is what I'm trying to say. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, the covers, the covers look good. Can't wait to watch the movie. I mean, you what can tell Romeo really tried to make that flash suit work. You're right. Oh, God, those stupid wires. What is the deal with the wires? I don't know. It's gritty, man. It's realistic. I got to tell you, man. If Liam you don't... Sharps. Yeah. His work is unreal. It's looking. so good. Like, it's surreal. It's like hyper detailed, yet also surreal. It's just so strange yeah. and cool. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I try not to be overly negative. <laughs> this podcast sure, sure. yeah um the the covers look good uh and uh, again I, it just this movie is rated r because batman says it fuck is. in it i can't wait <laughs> so you know <laughs> gobble that up you lucky so-and-sos speaking of rated r heroes todd mcfarlane announced that there is a spawn universe and it's coming this summer mm-hmm. um <laughs> We still have yet to get that Jamie Foxx spawn that he promised, gosh, two or three years ago now? Well, he's, yeah, Todd but, McFarlane's been talking about making a, a spawn movie himself. And directing. For, yeah, for yeah. at least a decade. Uh, <laughs> and at some point, I mean, I, it's an interesting take that he has because he wants it to be where spawn is like a supporting character. You barely see him, like he's in the shadows the whole movie. Right. Uh, right. Which is why it's interesting that, you know, a leading man like Jamie Foxx is taking the role, but... Uh, sure. that's neither here nor there. This is kind of cool that he's like kind of helping to broaden the, uh, the scope of spawn again. Yeah. So they, they released a bit of art. They have zero plot details, but uh-huh. they, we, they did reveal it'll all kick off with a one shot called spawns universe. Mm-hmm. And then there will be three promised ongoing series called King spawn gunslinger spawn and the scorched mm-hmm. the scorched is basically like, the spawn justice league because it will have a team of spawn redeemer gunslinger medieval spawn and she spawn yeah which i think sounds very sexist to me i don't know why um <laughs> she spawn is that what she was that what she wants to be called she anyway spawn, he spawn we spawn <laughs> oh my god i love that that should yeah. be the song that that should be the um intro music to the new spawn movie that we'll never get <laughs> but uh, uh todd also revealed uh, an incredible amount of creators yeah uh, which i thought uh which are you know, Art Adams, uh, Donnie Cates, Greg Capullo, Jim Chung, Mike Del Mondo, Javier Fernandez, David Finch. I mean, these are like some of the best artists yeah. and writers in the, in the industry. I did see someone point out, and they're not wrong, they are all men, but, mm. you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, y- yeah, if you're trying to broaden your universe, it would it would be nice to kind of broaden your uh, creative teams as well. But I, I, see what you're, I see what they're saying. So my first take was... Why isn't there any plot details? Like, if you're going to hype something, at least know what your books are going to be about or, like, the identity of the book, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it, it does seem like a, like jumping the gun with this announcement. The The thing that I can't believe that they they put in this art, the, the teaser art that didn't, no one's commented on that I can find, yeah. is that uh, this shot of, like, the big team of spawns uh, is it includes the Omega Spawn, which was the villain of Image United, which was like 
quite famously a miniseries that never finished. <laughs> like that revealed oh. the original Spawn was the main villain. It like they put right. out like two issues over the course of four years, I think, and then just never mm-hmm. finished it. Uh, and I, so that's that's for someone who used to follow Spawn uh, pretty regularly. I the idea of this finally closing up like tying up some loose plot threads is really interesting there is like an omega level spawn in the book right now that's not the actual spawn character right yeah but uh, yeah i don't know basically what we just you and i just said back to each other Uh proves that this is a mess this universe (laughs) so it could (sighs) use some order with this new push i don't know if it'll work out but Mm -hmm. I am curious. I mean, there was the Comics Pro Retailer event, and that's probably why this was announced so early, because we're not getting these books until um, October, August, and July. So we have a ways away. I mean, they're probably just started writing and drawing these books. Right. And they want to hype them down for the retailers to get excited. But I don't know. I feel like they should have a little bit more of a plan behind this. But right. eh. I have to say, Tom McFarlane, he said a lot of boastful things. In part by saying, you know, Marvel and DC pulled off their own universes. Why not? Why not Image Comics with Spawn? Right. To which I said to you off air, like it took Marvel like at least thirty years to get popular popular enough that it was like this shared universe people like. Sure. And yeah. Sixty to get it takes like the time, movies for sure. <laughs> and if Todd wants that, I don't know if he's going to make it unless they have some sort of life extending <laughs> right um, drug that comes out. Which I was promised when I was reading Popular Science when I was 14. So maybe it'll Yeah, happen. we'll get there. We will. We will. Uh, moving <laughs> on. Uh, Image Comics revealed that Savage Dragon is going... Savage Dragon number 259 is going to be renamed to North Force number zero, a new Canadian super team featuring the new Savage Dragon and a bunch of characters I don't know. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about this uh-huh. simply because it's wild. Like I, It's still Savage Dragon. It's just being renamed. So it's like right. a, is it like a collector thing? Like they're trying to get the collectors to buy extra issues? I have no idea. It, it does seem Larson like a... Eric Larson still writing and drawing. Right. It does seem like a, I don't know, it looks almost like a one-off gag to me. Which is very in line with Eric Larson, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Also in the news from Image Comics, uh, Die is ending. Um, Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans's series is ending with... Die number 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the last story arc starts in May with die number 16. I know a lot of people are really sad about this. I know everybody in Under the Sun has told me I got to read this book. Same. Yeah. And I vehemently don't read it out of spite no. for those people. <laughs> <laughs> Back off, man. Don't tell me what to read. Right. Uh, also from Image, Aquarius, the Book of Myrrh is a new quarterly comic series uh, by Eisner winner Af- Afua Richardson. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also got a pretty slick uh, David Mack cover. And this also is kicking off in May. I, if you're, if mermaids are your thing, I'm so sorry because there's really not that many options for you, but there will be soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and last but not least from Image, The Good Asian is coming out May 2021. Yeah. And uh, this one has an all-star creative team. Pornsack Pitch a Shot uh, and Alexandre Tafengi. Uh, are, so you might know Pornsack from Infidel, which was a hugely awesome horror series right. from Image Comics uh, with Aaron Campbell on art. So they're coming back at us with this cool noir book. Yeah, this looks great. I, I'm a sucker for noir fiction and and for like historical fiction. And 
seeing uh, both of them have a tendency to unfortunately lean into like unhealthy stereotypes. So seeing oh, sure. uh, seeing this from a seeing this from a creative team that can draw from history and is like is like dead set on in court like the I think there was a, a quote you had from Porn Sack where it was just said that it was a, a story incorporating Asian American history that's like not really taught in schools. Mm, so mm-hmm. he he's really like the 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 creative team is like specifically trying to tell uh an informed historically accurate story that still has all these exciting like elements to it that we want to see in a in a you know detective right. story have you ever read um a people's history of the united states i've not uh by howard zinn it came out in 2004 mm-hmm. it's basically uh very revealing there's a lot of history that are, we aren't taught in Ooh. school and it gets into a lot of that, oh, and for sure. you know, good and bad. So, it is kind of uh, a ripe place to mine stories, right? The actual history that we don't know about, right? And it's, um, I mean, unfortunately, it's very timely because this the 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 story ties into the um, the Chinese Exclusion Act, which was a, an immigration ban in America, um, mm-hmm. which is a thing we're still doing. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's amazing how as you get older, I know we're in our thirties, like mm-hmm. history just keeps repeating itself and you're like, yeah. but when you're young, you're like, oh, we'll learn. No, you won't. But like, it's never, you know, sometimes it's cool things like, oh, Tamagotchis are back. And then other times it's like, <laughs> oh, fuck, racism. Cool. <laughs> Why is this happening again? Yeah, it's cyclical. And it's like, it's because we don't actually, you know, try to resolve the deeper issues, right? It's like oh, let's pass this law, but it doesn't actually, you know, make people open their eyes to the reality of racism or whatever. Hmm. Uh, moving on to a lot less serious titles uh, revealed by Dark Horse Comics. They're coming out with a new Witcher miniseries and a new Far Cry series. So huh. the Witcher series is really cool in part because, well, the miniseries that was written by uh, Bartos Stiesbor, he mm-hmm. just came, he's just wrapping up a, I think it's a four issue Witcher miniseries. It's fantastic. And he's following that up with a Vanessa Del Rey drawn, uh, series called the Witcher, Witch's Lament. Mm. What's cool about his take on Witcher is that it's just, it's not like, oh, he's got to stop this giant monster that's killing the whole world. And mm-hmm. all, you know, the world's going to blow up literally like it's just Witcher kind of like, going through the world as he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And he just runs into a village where they have this weird little problem. And all of a sudden he discovers that, you know, there are frog people eating the children or something. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know what this was. I mean, this one's obviously about a witch. I mean, the cover literally has a witch burning. So yeah, it uh, seems like he's according to the, the, the solicit, he's like dealing with the aftermath of a, of a successful hunt. Like he's, mm. it's like haunting him. So I'm interested right. to see like a very like uh, character driven Witcher story. Sure. Yeah, and I mean Dark Horse has been doing Witcher comics for a bit. I mm-hmm. mean they did have like Mike Mignola even coming in to do stuff. Um, it's always interesting these licensed products. Like IDW is all about it too. Right. But a lot of the time they don't really work work out. I mean huh. IDW did so many Back to the Future miniseries. <laughs> yeah. And like how many do you remember? <laughs> How many did you read? I don't right. know. Right. Not I think I uh, I remember enjoying like one or I think the first one that came out. Um mm. but I yeah. Yeah, I, I liked a couple. Yeah, it's been a bit since I've checked those out. Um this Far Cry one is pretty cool though. The Far Cry Rite of yeah. Passage. I I'm really into those games. Um Oh nice. And I really I, I really like uh Brian Edward Hill's work. Um but what's interesting about this is that it's tying in 
uh, tying into the the next game, um, Far Cry Six is uh, about this like president of a of a nation of this nation that's just gone through like this violent revolution, and he's mm-hmm. trying to like get his people back in line. And so in this story, he's teaching his son about leadership, and in doing so, he's telling he's tell that's the framing device, and then each issue, I guess, follows. Uh, a an untold story of the main villains of the last three Far Cry games. <laughs> huh, that's interesting. Yeah, so that I, I, I that's a cool idea, and, a, and a, I'm assuming it was meant to tie in with the release of Far Cry Six, but that's been put off a couple times because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, likely they usually want to tie in these with the release of stuff, Mar- mm-hmm. like Marvel included, with like the Morbius trade you reviewed this week. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that movie was supposed to come out like last July. And then yep. in November, and now I think it's like next January or something. Right, right. Yeah, that's too bad. It's interesting that they're dipping into another video game series like Far Cry. I know mm-hmm. Dark Horse for the longest time were trying to get that Halo comic series going, and I don't think anyone cared. Right. But I mean, you got to think like, do you, when you think of Halo, do you think of like the rich storytelling, or do you think about shooting people in first person? You'd be person? surprised, dude. I in, in my really? in my day job, I've. <laughs> I've yeah. edited a lot of uh, articles about the um, like the Halo mythology, and it's people weirdly get very much into it. I don't want to say weirdly because I don't want to disparage yeah. something you know that people like. I just talked about how sure. I like the Far Cry games, and I'm sure there's people who don't like those. Um, Halo's just never been my bag. It's same thing with Destiny. Like apparently, Destiny has mm. like this really rich lore, and I'm just like I don't, I don't want to. I don't. I don't get into shooters that much. I mean, loot right. those kind of like games as a service thing yeah where's our cod comic guys come on <laughs> i think there have been some there have to have been some call of duty Probably. comics right i think but i don't know if it's been ever from like a main publisher like idw they or should Dark do Wars. black ops and white or they like it's like like batman black and white but with call oh, you can cut out okay. that bad joke <laughs> <laughs> no we're leaving it in oh, no. posterity please <laughs> In our last bit of news, and it's quite exciting, and yes. I've literally been saying this should happen since the first issue came yes. out. Uh, James Tynan's and Martin Simmons's Department of Truth is picked up for order to do a television series, and Tynan will co-write the screenplay, yeah. or the pilot, I suppose, is better uh, worded. Um, yeah. I don't think this is a surprise to anyone. Maybe it's a surprise because it's they literally are dropping the first volume next week. Mm-hmm. So they just finished the first story arc technically. Um, but this is great news. Yeah. what's uh, Right now it's being developed as a series, but they apparently picked up film and television film rights as well. So like mm. it could become something else. Um, yeah. This is tailor made for a TV show. I mean, this oh, yeah. is in the vein of like X-Files or like, you know, the thing that I love about this book is that, um, you know, there is the overarching mysteries, but like there are so many, you know, uh, case of the week stories. It's it's perfect for TV. I mean, depending on <laughs> depending on what channel that's going to, it, it's perfect for TV. Oh, yeah. What, what could what, what do you what are the odds like it's it ends up on like Shudder or something? Well, the I mean, it, it could work on Shudder. It'd be uh, it. it I think it would be interesting to see that as kind of a low budget take on the, you know, uh, gritty kind of take on the material. But um, I know that um, Stacy Snyder's sister has done, um, has worked on shows for HBO and AMC. So it could be something a little, little more along the lines of like a prestige 
TV series, which would, right. which I think is so fitting to this. I mean, there's some really wild imagery that I can't imagine uh, that I, I can't imagine being on like network television, but the, you yeah. know, like the, the, the massacre in front of a wall of ice in the first issue, like there's just some like giant set pieces that yeah. I, I would love to see with like a, a significant budget and, uh, I mean, and who knows? Maybe this will take a the a completely different take on the material. Maybe they don't want to repeat themselves, if especially if the creative team is working on the the show. But uh, just the possibilities of seeing this fleshed out in a television universe is really exciting. According to the Hollywood Reporter article, which was mm-hmm. an exclusive to them, mm-hmm. there were ten bidders for the show as well. So I believe it. Me thinks me thinks the money is in their pockets. Yeah. Me thinks. That makes sense. Yeah, if it yeah if it out if other people were outbid, then they're probably doing just fine. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, like, um, you remember those Tony Scott directed films where he would do the um, the shutter? He would like he had this uh, film style where he would actually oh. turn the film, so it would it would actually create like this weird effect. Yeah, he he did that a ton in like Domino and stuff like that. Yeah, like yeah. Man on Fire, I think. Yeah. I was just thinking, mm-hmm. like, that effect would work so well with the Department of Truth. Like, oh, for sure. Weird, like, real- what is reality? Um, it would play yeah, really, really well with this. that scratchy kind of uh, style that, that Simmons has in his artwork, too. And then we should get a video game as well. Let's do just it. throw it on the pile. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> in our next segment, our top books of the week, we're going to talk about our top two favorite books out this week. These are recommends you can guarantee you'll like if you're like us and you're the same person. So, <laughs> Nathan, what is your what is your second favorite book of the week? My second favorite book of the week was Modoc Head Games number three, written by Patton Oswalt and Jordan Blum, art by Scott Hepburn. Um, and we've talked about this book on the show before, but it's it's just so much fun, but it's also surprisingly mm. full of like depth and pathos for a character like Modoc, which you who you don't expect yeah. to, to conjure uh feelings of pity <laughs> you know what i mean uh, sure yeah and this is the issue that uh when, when we had jordan blum on the show he was he was excited he was talking about the gwynpool issue you know and we were just like well what is yeah. that gonna look like um and it is full of like weird you know uh gwynpool gags you know lots of fourth wall breaking uh there's a really funny gag where uh jordan keeps putting in uh editor's notes to explain like previous continuity for different X-Men characters. And Mm -hmm. the, the editor's note keeps getting bigger and bigger while Gwenpool (laughs) is like holding it and like getting crushed underneath it. It's really funny. Um, Yeah. um, But then it gets downright heartbreaking. We, we see um, throughout the series, MODOK has been having these flashbacks or possible implanted memories of his family uh, a mm-hmm. wife and children and uh in this issue you see him like living through one of the flashbacks so he's seeing his he's remembering like his son's birthday party and he's worried that he didn't get him the right toy and the, the dialogue is so tender and sweet but it's coming out of modok so it just feels surreal and, and it makes you kind of sympathize with him for not believing that it's happening mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. And you, Gwenpool gives props to her own origin story, which kind of feels like a similar thing has happened to her as what's happening with Modoc now, where she started as a joke, a one-off kind of uh, merchandising-based character, you know, and 
over time other writers have given writers have given her more depth she even at one point says like the right the people who are writing me right now can't give me the kind of depth that i deserve or whatever i'm just kind of acting like an asshole um yeah she kind of yeah, changes yeah. depending on who's writing her and that's kind of the the point that she's she's making kind of a meta point about modok because this is a character that we're used to being this over-the-top super villain and instead he's like feeling sincere pain uh, in this storyline. Uh, and there's also, there's a, there's a really great twist involving uh, a, a sequence where a character literally sort of turns back time. I won't spoil it. It's, it's mm. really clever the way it's done in the book. Uh, but yeah, this, this was just, this series is just so uh, inventive on every page and I, I've really gotten a kick out of it. Yeah. It's too bad. It's not an ongoing, right? Yeah, no, I would absolutely read this as an ongoing. I mean, fingers crossed, if this book's doing well, maybe we'll get more Modoc stories from this team. True, yeah. Um, yeah, it was nice to have Jordan. If you go back, like, what, four weeks ago, Jordan so. Bloom was on the show? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a cool series. For sure. Um, it it didn't make my list, but it it's a close third. You know, it's funny <laughs> because, like, I, I, I've been reading way more comics <laughs> lately uh, since I've started doing the show. And yeah, uh, this one just kept popping into my head. It was just, I just really, there were moments in it that stuck out to me uh, ahead of so many things that I read this week. It's just a, it's a really clever book, but uh, it yeah, was not sure. your it's number two favorite. <laughs> no, my number two favorite was the Immortal Hulk Flatline by Declan Shalvey. Yeah. Um, this is the second, I think the, only the second time that Marvel's done an Immortal Hulk one-shot. Last time was with Jeff Lemire and Mike Del Mundo. But this one, uh, Declan gets to write and draw. And it's a really, just, a, a, first of all, it's visually stunning. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy's a great artist. But it's a really interesting story about dealing with the monster inside you and how you want to push away that monster, that bad thing inside you. But really, it's it, there is a symbiosis that needs to take place. You need to come to grips with it, mm -hmm. which I mean we've seen in so many Hulk stories before. But in the way it's done here, um, Hulk is basically confronted with a woman who has also been interacting with Gamma, mm -hmm. and she teaches him a lesson in her final moments. Hence the flatline in the title. But uh, she's also like Green Lantern, <laughs> which is amazing to me. Yeah, she has like these wild psionic kind of abilities right and she can create or i don't know if she's creating the train but she's like it looks like it she is yeah. it looks like um one of the green lantern like um, constructs. What do they call those things? constructs yeah i saw a, an artist um call declan out on twitter in reply and he's like whoa marvel has green lanterns now <laughs> he was like <laughs> he, he made some riff on it. he was like no they're green like lights or something I yeah don't know. but um it's just fun, a fun element to the book. Also, it creates a lot of cool action. Yeah. But really, the the book hits hard at the end when we see Hulk waking up uh, as Bruce Banner in all these different ways, like on a roof, in a tree, mm -hmm. in someone's backyard. And then he wakes up at the, at the end of this book. And those were all memories from the past. And he right. wakes up at the end of this book after this you know crazy battle. And he's on a roof. And his shoes are laid out. And his clothes are laid out nicely. And he's like, what? what's happening oh, yeah and it's like we get to see there's a moment here where the hulk you know agrees and admits that he needs bruce uh just like bruce needs the hulk sure. so i mean that's that inner conflict i think is something we can all relate to especially you know if, if you've ever been angry or you know been conflicted with 
um, emotions that you don't necessarily understand or yeah. can control. So I think for that, this issue was really beautiful and, and heartfelt and interesting beyond just the great art. Oh, yeah. And it, it leaves... Uh, it leaves Bruce in a more hopeful place than he's been in a while, at least for a little bit. Right, right. Yeah, it's that was yeah, great. Yeah, and I think it, it kind of aligns with the Immortal Hulk book too, because mm-hmm. I think, well, right now Bruce is like gone, but um, for a little while there, Al Ewing had them sort of coming to grips with each other a little bit more mm-hmm. than at the start of the series where like, you know, Hulk comes out at night and that's all, that's all there is to it. right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's my second favorite favorite book of the week. What is your first favorite? Your best favorite? Oh man, my mostest, favorite. bestest favorite this week <laughs> was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin, number two, written by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, Tom Waltz, art by Esau and Isaac Escorza, and Kevin Eastman. Um, this book is so good. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've already kind of uh, gushed about it on the show before, but. Uh, uh, just a heads up, I'm going to go into some spoilers for number one. So if anybody wants to scrub ahead, they can. Uh, but the the idea of this series is that there's only one Ninja Turtle left, and he's out for revenge against the remaining members of the Foot Clan who killed his family. Uh, the first issue ends with the revelation that the last remaining turtle is Michelangelo, and this issue takes us back through a series of dream sequences and flashbacks to show the night that everything went wrong. And you get this feel for why, because Michelangelo is always, you know, typically he's the, he's the goofball. And mm-hmm. in this, he's portrayed as kind of damaged and he's got a little bit of a dry, wryer sense of humor, but he's not, it's not, he's not the, the character that we know. And this book goes a long way towards justifying that without it feeling like this is just unnecessarily dark, mm-hmm. which I think is a really interesting balancing act because it, at the end of the day, this is still a book about Ninja Turtles. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, sure. Sure. So I, I think that there's a, there's a fun, uh, there's a fun line that's towed there and it helps that the original creators are on the book. So it has a lot of that, mm. uh, you know, we take this seriously because the characters take themselves seriously, but we're still in a comic book universe. There's, there's, it's a, it's a fun balancing act. Um, there are some unbelievable action sequences in this issue. There's a scene where Raphael goes up against like 50 members of the foot clan, uh, during a flashback sequence. And by the end of it, he's, got arrows sticking out of his shell. He's like pulling a katana out of his side and he's just still Oof. like moving forward. Um, the, the artwork is just so expressive and uh, you know, it, it's, it's almost, it's almost impossible to think that there's this much emotion you can get out of a turtle face, but, <laughs> but it's, it's an incredible sequence and it builds some mysteries that will be instantly recognizable to fans of this franchise. Like there's uh, little Easter eggs hidden throughout where, you know, especially in the final page, there's a moment where I, I just feel like everything's about to get cracked open in a new way. Um, and best of all, there's a f- part of the flashback that shows what Michelangelo has been up to over the last several years, and it's done in full black and white, and it looks like the old Mirage Ninja Turtles like micro series. 
Uh, it's him like in a snow-driven uh, wilderness, hiding out from the world, meditating, trying to to learn to move on with his life. Uh, and it, it's just it's everything that I love about this franchise on the page uh, synthesized into one book. I'm I it's. <laughs> I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, the 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 way the eye the his Michelangelo's beady eyes are sort of sad in a way, aren't they? Yeah, especially when he's at the table. Well, there's a moment yeah. where like he he keeps saying like I don't understand why I'm still alive, and the implication is that his mutation has continued to evolve over decades. So he's mm. he's a little more gnarly looking than he was back in the day, but he still he still has that like that kind of like quizzical look to his face. And I, I mm-hmm. like it's rec- it's so wild how it's recognizably Michelangelo without an orange bandana or, you know, like it's, it's right. It's really well done. I love it. Yeah. And it, uh, it's selling out like crazy, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's super successful. Number two, I think was IDW's biggest book, of, like best selling book of all time. Was that, I believe I read or first printing something like that. Wow. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Good pick. I'm not a I'm not a huge Turtles guy. Like I loved mm-hmm. the cartoon when I was little, of course. So like I think I don't know. I haven't read every Ninja Turtles book mm-hmm. either. So like I'm so I'm sort of disconnected from it. So the the IDW books have been list. really good. Um, yeah. If you can get them in trade where they've kind of uh, condensed everything, because for a little while they were they were busting out into a ton of tie-in issues, so it was really hard to follow certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get them in trade now, they are all in like chronological reading order. Um, mm. and they're, they're just, they're really, really fun action books, uh, with just beautifully written characters and they've found ways to combine, um, every different version of the turtles. So there's stuff from the cartoon, like different iterations of the cartoons, different iterations of the comic book series they've kind of created this perfect hodgepodge of everything that Ninja Turtles fans would enjoy while also creating new mythology. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah and a lot of new characters too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sophie Campbell is crushing it on the, the oh, yeah. run. The art is insane. It's so good. So good. Um, my favorite comic book of the week was Iron Man number six by Christopher Cantwell and Kafu. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first issue in the new story arc, but it's continuing on. Um, the last story arc where Orvac is mm-hmm. going to become God, basically. Um, and he, his plan involves going to Galactus's uh, ship and I don't know, doing something to turn <laughs> himself into a godlike figure. Mm-hmm. And Iron Man needs to stop him. But unfortunately, in the last issue, Iron Man got blown up uh, so badly, in fact, that the only reason his body is being held together literally is because of the pieces of Iron Man costume that are like clenching his skeleton together. right yeah pretty intense um it's also quite clever if you think about it because like iron man is literally now stuck in his suit mm-hmm. um so this issue opens with iron man and patsy walker they're both going through a lot of mental anguish and they need each other so patsy helps iron man up and out gets gets him out of where he is so that he can put himself together but what Cantwell has done here is basically earned our believability in where uh, Tony Stark's mind is. Mm-hmm. He is not that heroic guy who will save everyone. Like he is so angry and so pushed to the edge 
he doesn't give a shit if he sounds like an asshole to people or <laughs> right. is a dick. And you actually see that when he interacts with a few of the uh, heroes on his crazy team. Mm-hmm. And also how he interacts with a supervillain that attacks him. But so I think for me, when I've, I've reviewed a lot of comic books and two things always stick out to me as making a book really good. Pacing and earning um, how a character interacts, how a character how a character acts, mm-hmm. um, how the character feels, and I feel like this book has earned everything it's uh, led up to at this point, uh, which makes it more believable, especially for a superhero book, so that, which yeah. is kind of rare. <laughs> um, so for those reasons alone, I think this is a really great read. I think you'd probably you probably need to go back and read the first arc to really enjoy it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a direct lead in from the last story arc in fact it, they probably would have just collected this as one book if they could have as one story arc but um you know the way books are these days right. you have to have like five or six issue uh, story arcs right and but yeah the headspace of these characters is really fascinating yeah and Korvac's such an interesting villain that i i always in, enjoy whenever he pops up in the comics because uh it's it takes a lot it takes a very clever creative team to make him interesting Considering the fact that he, in many uh, incarnations, is this godlike figure, mm-hmm. uh, so it, it's uh, the way that they're kind of building up his like rise to power is is really interesting in this run. It is, yeah, and it it it, it plays well with Tony's like arrogance. Although oh, yeah. in this story arc, he he is definitely less arrogant and more self aware than mm-hmm. he's ever been. Well, yeah, he's because that... he's he's dealing with someone who has literally been able to outthink him every step of the way. <laughs> Right, right, and push him near to near death. Yeah, um, I have to say, uh, Frank Damata's. Uh, um, sorry, let me say that. Frank D. Armada's colors mm-hmm. are insane. Like, there's a lot of characters with metal suits in this co- uh, comic, mm-hmm. and the the way the light glints off of them, it looks like they're wearing metal suits. It doesn't look like they're wearing spandex or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's very specific. I was uh, watching. Rochelle Rosenberg's Twitch this week, and mm-hmm. and out of the blue, she was like, "I hate coloring Iron Man," <laughs> and it, for some reason, it just made me go, "Oh my god, I need to appreciate Iron Man even more because the coloring on this book is insane." Yeah, absolutely. And I can see why you'd hate to draw to color him because, like, the way light glints off of metal, it's like harder to track down and you know make it look right. Right. Yeah, so I totally recommend Iron Man. Uh, check it out. I don't think it was in the solicits for May, so I'm a little worried it might be canceled or taking a break. Hmm. But moving on, our top books for next week. We're going to talk about the number one book we're looking forward to next week that will yeah. likely be the best book of the week on our list next week. I don't know. <laughs> we haven't read them yet, probably. Uh, what is your top book of the week? Uh, my top book for next week is The Department of Truth, number six, by James Tynan IV, um, art by Elsa Charitier. The... This is the start of a new uh, story arc. They just kind of finished the this introductory storyline where our main characters are all getting introduced and learning it's learning how much they don't know about each other. You know, it's, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting uh, dynamic where these characters, by their very function, uh, it's dangerous for them to like get close. Um, and uh, it's it's one of those books where. There's there's so many mysteries about the, the Department of Truth itself, and this next arc is supposed to dive into the background, which is great, because this is a... I mean, 
the Department of Truth is run by Lee Harvey Oswald, and that's like the 40th craziest thing in the book. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's so true. I, I'm really excited to see more about the the history of it. And, and also, I mean, that's what's being promised, but the whole idea of the series is uh, that reality is written by what people perceive, what people believe kind of becomes these like thought forms. So is mm-hmm. this actually the the history of the Department of Truth, or is this a history of the Department of Truth? Oh, um, good call. Yeah, so, that's true. And it's also just, I'm excited to see the the artist on this next run has a much more kind of very different style from yeah. what we've seen so far. So I'm. it would be fascinating to see if that's going to be a plan for the book going forward, is to mm. have these major arcs with Sim, uh, Martin Simmons, and then we'll get like, you know, a couple of issues of background on the department with a different artist. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the series is still kind of like figuring itself out as, as confident as it is in its storytelling. It's still, I'm still trying to see where all of these threads are leading. Um, and so just the idea that it's going to be so different uh, right off the bat uh, has me excited to see like how, how it can, how Tynan, can unite these various threads. Um, also, it gives me an opportunity to ask you about this dream that you had about the Department of Truth. <laughs> I had the craziest dream, and I think it should be an issue of the book, although just by saying it, it will never be an issue of the book. I, I've, I've legally taken it off the table. Right. Uh, yeah, I had a crazy dream about uh, a new issue of the Department of Truth somehow involving like a NASCAR-style race, mm. Sketsky, uh, Dark Tower, uh you know, bad guys where we're shooting arrows at them to not kill us. And then also a Geiger style runaway train going over the Florida Keys. And there was a robbery that was taking place. When you say Geiger style, you mean like HR, like HR Geiger, like the, like, like it alien, looks like a, yeah. like it looks like a xenomorph. It looks train. like a penis. Yes. Oh, like, okay, cool. <laughs> well, no, not really, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like black and like very like, um, muscular and have you seen veiny. have you have you ever listened to the super ego <laughs> podcast no uh matt gorley plays uh hr geiger as a recurring character and oh wow he, he did it on comedy bang bang as well but he has this whole routine where he's like he's like so after i died i went to hell and now i am the production designer for satan <laughs> <laughs> that's funny I showed him a drawing it's I did so of a chainsaw man, and he said, that'll do, pig. <laughs> Is that straight from what he said, or did you just rip it's off It's something that? like that. It's something very yeah. close to that, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a wild dream, and uh, I, I think I must have went to bed with the news that the department shoot would have its own TV show, so I started mixing things sure. like Jim Henson's workshop. Sure. <laughs> and Universal's... Oh, uh, yeah, dude, The Muppet Show is on Disney Plus now, by the way. Oh, is it? I know it was in the news that it was coming. It just got added, I think, like this weekend. Yeah, I have to. There's, I gotta watch the Mark Hamill episode. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. But yeah, no. Uh, my favorite book of the week. Yeah. Or my sorry, my top book for next week is Skulldigger, Skulldigger and Skeleton Boy number six by Jeff Lemire and Tansi Zanjic. This is this was my favorite book of half the year last year. Uh, sure. We did a um, best of the year so far. That was my favorite book. This is the last issue in the series, so um, it was delayed due to the pandemic, but we're oh, finally right. getting it, so I can't wait to read it and review it, um, 
But Tonsi, I cannot freaking wait to see what he comes up with next. Um, it'd be really cool if he did a big two book. Of course, his style is so unique and just cutting edge. I don't know if he could pull off a Marvel book necessarily because they want those freaking books out as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, when we had Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson on this show about a year ago, they were like, yeah, the one problem with Marvel is like <laughs> you have to work as fast as possible to get the books out on time. Um, right. But yeah, I I just cannot wait to see the visual storytelling ideas at work because it's there's always something new. And I'm sure it'll happen again with the sixth issue. Yeah. Uh, in our next segment, Judging by the Cover Junior, we're going to talk about the favorite cover art that comes out on New Comic Book Day on Wednesday. Mine is by Greg Capullo, and it's for Spawn number 315. Um, I, it's, this book, uh, this cover is just super, like, 90s. Yeah, in the best what? way. <laughs> yeah, Capullo has done an amazing thing with the with the cape alone. It's It's mm-hmm. so, like, angular and, like... I think you actually, last week when we were talking about covers, you were mentioning like the Spider-Woman cover had like really sharp edges on her like body. Yes. Yeah, I love that. We're, we're getting that again here with his cape. Uh, he's maskless here with uh, his green eyes basically putting out fumes or something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's got the gauntlets. He's got the suit. You can't see his chest or anything, but it's it's all about the cape and like his pose on this top of this building. It's like... That iconic superhero pose of the hero looking down on the city and he's about to protect them. Right. But with like the added bonus that he looks like a gargoyle man. <laughs> oh, that's true. He's got a, like a gargoyle pose. Um, this is also co-drawn by Todd McFarlane. I think McFarlane did the inks on this mm. mistake. And there's actually, um, this is one of the variant covers for 315 that Greg Capullo uh, is part of a series of variant covers. But there's also a colorless variant cover if you want to see the pencils and inks on that. Too. Nice. What is your favorite cover? My favorite cover, I I jumped back and forth on this a couple of times, but then I saw this uh, cover for Batman Black and White number three. It's a variant cover by Sana Takada, uh, the artist for uh, Monstress. And it is, it's just so cool. I I mean, I'm such a, I'm a sucker for any cool Batman art anyway. So the the odds of me picking a Batman cover are pretty good going forward. (laughs) Especially yeah. with black and white, because you get to see all these artists and and creators that don't normally work on big two books, or or at least with you know Batman. Um, sure. But there's uh, it's just a simple shot of him standing in the rain, but there's um, he's looking down at his hand, and it looks like there's blood on his hands, and it's it's somehow completely distinguishable from the wet that's on the rest of the costume. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I love the like the it's just such a subtle difference. Um, I love the furrowed brow on the cowl, which is one of those things that like doesn't really make any logical sense, but it makes for such a striking image. The the mm-hmm. uh, severe point on the cowl, you know, it comes down into almost a beak. Uh, there's just a, I don't know. There's something very like utilitarian about this suit. It's like a you could the it looks like the cowl and the cape are one piece. Uh, which I really like. Uh, mm. It kind of folds up, bunches up around the the, the shoulders, um, and it looks beat up. Like there's kind of like scuff marks in the in the helmet and in the cape and the uh, the chest piece. I don't know. It's just a very striking image. I'm a sucker for Batman in the rain, and this delivers that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that should be like a pop hit song, Batman in the rain. Yeah, it's it's just a cover of uh, Elvis Presley's "Crying in the Rain." <laughs> I, like I have to say 
This cover makes me think of the Batman trailer. Remember when he beats that guy nearly to death? Yeah, just for asking like, what his name is. <laughs> and then, like, this is the moment after he's like, did I do bad? Hang on. Did I? <laughs> oh, I, I, I meant to just say Batman. No, it's a cool cover. Yeah. If you uh, if you go to the AFPT Comics podcast post on this, on AFPTcomics.com, you can see the full covers. In our next segment, Carla Pacheco is joining us with her mom, Allison. Yes. We're going we're gonna to dig into Spider-Woman, but also... Who is Carla really? <laughs> Wait, I should do like an Ira Glass intro. Like, Carla, Carla Pacheco, <laughs> writer, Spider-Woman lover, daughter. In our next segment. That's good. Carla Pacheco, thank you so much for being on the show. And this is not an ordinary show. As we have a special surprise guest, please introduce us. Um, well, I would like to introduce uh, everyone to the AIPT audience to my mother, Allison. Yay! Hello! Hello. Woo! I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much <laughs> for being is here. This so rad that you're here. <laughs> this, this, this is my mother's very first podcast yeah. interview, so oh, wow. it's, it's a momentous time for us all. It really is. Yeah, We're honored. You, you told Dave you'd be visiting your mom, and, and he was just like... Uh, Oh, you should have her on. And it just kind of all came together. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah. So uh, it was just, uh, it was mo- it was mom's birthday yesterday. My birthday. Oh, last happy day. birthday. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so we are in our secret underground volcano lair uh, at an undis- undisclosed location. Sure. Ce- celebrating the uh, the birthdays. So, uh, and Fantastic. when, when I was talking with David about doing the show again, I was like, oh yeah, gonna, gonna be doing the. The birthday visit with mom. He's like, "Can we have your mom on the show?" It's like, <laughs> Let me ask. <laughs> so, Allison, I'd love to ask: Was Carla a big comics reader, and did you foresee she'd be writing the highest-selling Marvel comic later in her life? Uh, no, and no. <laughs> <laughs> Very no, honest. Ser- love it. <laughs> seriously, I do not remember seeing Carla read a comic book. I had the Archies. Oh. We had the but Archie comics. Yes. I, I do, I, you know, I, I did know from an early age that she was extremely independent. And mm-hmm. um, I think in regards to being funny, um, I definitely saw that. She mm-hmm. she uh, she checked out every joke book in our small town <laughs> library by the wow. age of eight, I think. That's awesome. That was a oh, big you could totally thing see for it. me, too, was joke books and then weirdly yeah. like magic books. Like, I guess I thought I was going to Vegas when I grew up or something. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. Uh, no, I, I, I think I annoyed the librarians and I definitely annoyed uh, <laughs> mom and my brother as we're driving in the car home from the library every week and i insist on reading aloud every single one of the 1001 awesome jokes <laughs> wow that's uh, funny yeah well, it wasn't it wasn't really, cause it really <laughs> they were good jokes yeah were you ever into stand-up or anything like that uh, I never, I, I, I actually had too much respect for stand up to do it because <laughs> mm, as sure. I, I've been dragged to too many really awful improv shows. So I always wanted to actually be good at comedy. So, I mean, my childhood, as my mother just explained aside, mm. um, and every pun that I put on Twitter. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I never did. I was never trying to do stand up or anything, but I definitely was trying very hard 
to be funny. And I thought that mm. was something you could work at. Mm, yeah. No, totally. <laughs> you can see that with all your tweets. You're, you're a hilarious person. <laughs> Allison, do you read comic books? Uh, I read Spider-Woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's, answer. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's about it. You guys had, uh, you guys had a lot of Archies around the house back in As, the day? Well, we had some, like, that we borrowed from, uh, the Cattersons. I would borrow the Archie comics from Ooh. the Cattersons. Yes. Shout out to the Cattersons. Shout out to the Cattersons. Um, <laughs> well, I think, uh, well, so the comics has been kind of interesting. So mom does a lot of, uh, work. Uh, supporting the local museum mm. and oh, great. they had a fundraiser and mom was very excited to get a bunch of spider woman uh issues yeah carla generously donated um what was it you had a set of five the first five and, and then, then yeah. number five yeah and um it was at a charity auction for our museum and uh they did very well the local <laughs> people i mean and yeah. uh, I have a sister who actually was more generous <laughs> in her bid. Okay, so Aunt Nancy stole the uh, uh-huh. bids of the signed uh, number five, which you yeah. can't get because we haven't had conventions this year. Right, right, right. And so all the spider babies were desperately trying to buy these, and my Aunt Nancy stole it. But oh, my Aunt, gosh. She paid for it. I mean, she paid for it. Sure, but sure. she is... Also, Carla's godmother, so yeah. You know. So she she helped. But anyway, the museum benefited greatly from yeah, it's that. True. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. Sorry, Spider Babies. My aunt Nancy uh, ran up the table. <laughs> <laughs> I love the headlines. Um, Spider Woman keeps us sane, also saves museum. Yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, see, there we go. There we, we go. We were uh, <laughs> David and I were actually just wondering about this. So the the Spider Woman has obviously has like a, a strong fan base. You call them the Spider Babies, right? It's That's a, awesome. So the spider babies came about because I was so overwhelmed and terrified when uh, it turned out there was a huge fan base for Spider Woman yeah. <laughs> that I wasn't expecting. Uh, like I think the last time we talked, I believe the book had just just been announced mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, around and that, yeah. yeah, and so I wasn't expecting that kind of reaction, mm-hmm. and. I should have, I guess, because I knew I love Spider Woman, but I'm also a weirdo. So why would I think anybody else would like the things I like? <laughs> and so the 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 reader reaction and the people that had obviously been really hardcore fans for a long time and were super mm. excited to have the book come back, like I ended up naming them Spider Babies because like baby spiders, they do that little ballooning thing. Oh where yeah, they, what's that? They, they like shoot up a little balloon web and then they float across oh, the country yeah. and spread themselves out. And oh, so cute. I like, so I was just like, oh no, it's like all these fans and readers, like the supporters of the book, are, they're spider babies. They, they just balloon out and spread the good word about Jessica Drew. And so I named that and uh, somehow they, they went with it. <laughs> I love that. That's, <laughs> That's super cute. It's so funny because Taylor Swift has what Swifties, and now you have Spider Babies. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, nice. it's better than like I guess Carla heads, or I don't. I don't really know what like <laughs> Carla. Yeah, I don't know. Pacheca fans. Yeah, I, yeah. So Spider Babies, it works. Yeah, <laughs> I was in the same boat with you. I mean, I've been running a comics website for ten odd years, and I did not understand how powerful the Spider Woman 
audience was because when we post a preview or whatever yeah of this podcast if they just share 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 on twitter and stuff it's crazy yeah and so crazy that's good where, yeah the, yeah the ballooning like the little spider like little baby spiders balloon out and they they share everything and they bless they, them yeah no it's it's been amazing they they obviously have come through really great and uh it's it's been very very humbling and very very overwhelming but but also cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. More mom questions. I know you're dying. <laughs> there is actually a next question, actually, I think. Um, so, Allison, the day that Carla's name ends up in Marvel movie credits, how are you going to react? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it does. I think it should, because I think that her... Her writing um, for this series has revived the Spider Woman, um, you know, the name, the popularity. So that, I think that, that I you... think that there wouldn't be a movie had she not been, you know. That that's 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 a very generous stretch, but well, as a mom, I know, I know, right? She she had she did uh, when the because uh, when the Olivia Wilde was. Announced yeah. as possibly directing a Spider Woman movie. Right. Mom was texting me. He's like, like all the articles. Like, are are you going to be involved with this? Like, do you get oh. paid for this? It's like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe it can't be. Maybe, a... maybe no. <laughs> it can't be a coincidence though, right? Because I mean, Spider Woman number one was the highest selling book of the month. So Marvel's now like, oh man, there we have got a cash cow sitting here. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I, I am clearly a cash cow. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, do you do any writing or, is, or are there any other people in your family that are doing writing? You know, um, I think on my mom's side of the family, there is a, a lot of very uh, talented writers, English, you know, uh, that was always Carla's thing in school mm. was reading and writing. The, uh, uh, you can tell them the only time I ever got grounded. Yeah, she, she, oh. I, I actually, this is going to make me sound as a bad mother. I actually had to ground her from reading. Oh, wow. <laughs> because oh. she was putting off what she was supposed to do. And she'd say, well, when I finish this chapter, when I finish this chapter, and mm. two hours later, <laughs> she hadn't finished that chapter. That's kind of unbelievable. So anyway, <laughs> I did had to uh, ground her from reading. But yeah. no, I'm, I'm on the, I'm an engineer. So I'm on the other other side oh, of the okay. stuff. Oh, cool. yeah. so right, I math really, and sciences. Really admire and respect what she's been able to do because it's not something that uh, that I can do. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Do you remember what she was reading when you grounded her? No. Um, I mean, it was basically I was like checking out a book every single day from school. I mean, she she sure. read. I mean, mm, she was mm -hmm. a voracious reader. Um, mm -hmm. What was it? Was it uh, International Velvet? What oh, was the oh, so na I, na National Velvet? National Velvet was a book that. So I tried to, <laughs> I tried to pre-read. She was reading at a very young age, and I tried to pre-read the books before she read them to make right. sure she should be reading them, because mm -hmm. she could read at a, a high school level when she was in grade school, and mm -hmm. not all that material is appropriate for an eight-year-old. <laughs> so, no, I would think not. At, sure. Finally, at one point, 
I mean, I had other things to do than around reading. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like, I'm just like, okay, I finished that one. Uh, can you read this? Can you pre-read this can one? You, so finally I got to so the can... point. I said, Carla, I can't read everything before you do. So <laughs> you're just going to have to screen them yourself. <laughs> so we came That's home great. from the library with National Velvet and she came downstairs about five minutes later. She's, well, I can't read that one. And oh, jeez. And I go, what? What? Somebody, what's wrong? It was some, like on the second page, somebody said, damn. Yeah. So, oh, gotcha. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so I said, oh, okay, well, good choice. Oh, that's <laughs> so uh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Carla was a narc, okay? <laughs> <laughs> she narked herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I narked myself. It was just like, wow, someone said, damn. I was like, oh, can't read this. Well, right. better, go tell, better go tell mom. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm adorable. Did you <laughs> so did you ever read that book? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there, was there, there more than one cuss word? No, it? it was it was per, like I mean they made a movie out of it. it had yeah, I've seen Elis- the movie. I know. I, I know. Yeah, it had Elizabeth Taylor in it. Like I a know. young one. It was it was like totally considered a, a child's appropriate book. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I was I was just googling it to see like is there's another is there another national velvet that's no, just like no. hardcore like No, no. I was just a little dweeb. Like I uh... I was but No, I I looked at it as she was actually honoring my yeah, wishes. I mean, we didn't we didn't cuss. I mean, yeah. Mhm. At which obviously I've taken well into my adult life. Sure. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> We see that every day. Yes. No, no one has ever seen me cuss, right? <laughs> yeah. Not once, especially see? if you don't do follow they... her on Twitter. Well, do they do they know that I have been banned to follow you on Twitter? Yeah. Oh. She, oh. Yeah, she, yeah. She's not allowed to follow me on Twitter. I've caught you sneaking. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Carla's on there quite a bit. That's where, like, you know, you can really see her comedy come through, especially, I mean, it's in the book, too, of course, but... It's more like stand-up style, like kind of jokes and you know I mean, reactions it, to to the real life, right? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's uh, it's obviously it's just me jerking around and being an idiot on Twitter. Is <laughs> how is how I got, you know, all my comic work. It's I mm. I grew to know people. I mean, I I came up before I was on Twitter. I was doing comedy writing, you know, sure. for. Yeah, you know, National Lampoon and Cracked, and just for my own websites and stuff. So that's that was my background. And then when Twitter mm-hmm. came a, came along, I was kind of like, oh, you know, I know some of the people from the old forums on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I know some of these other folks, and it was kind of circles that kind of overlapped with other comic circles and web comics and you know regular comics and so i just i got to know a lot of people just by making stupid jokes <laughs> on twitter right. mm-hmm. and it kind of just expanded from there and at some point someone said uh yeah do you want to write some comics i say yeah i do and <laughs> here we great. are <laughs> sounds good sure why not <laughs> is that how you met chip zadarsky because i know you guys yeah, are friends it, it, was, it was through twitter and then he recommended me for some stuff and yeah. so yeah that was uh that was that was i met chip through twitter and it was funny because our cir- we didn't realize our circles from like i used to be married to somebody he was a super huge fan of from college and mm. But he he only knew me from Twitter. He's like, oh no, wait, you were married to that guy? 
<laughs> like he's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you're good, but <laughs> but yeah. So it's just it was forming a lot of relationships with like Jeff Parker and Chip and mm-hmm. uh, just you know and 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 then even people who I learned a lot f- about comics like uh, Cheryl and Eaton, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just it was a lot of friends that I made where. I wasn't even trying to write comics yet. I was just forming relationships with people I thought were really cool and learning more about writing and learning more about things I could do with stuff. And and it ended up being comics. And here we are. (laughs) Oh, like last time you were on the show was actually August 2019. Uh, I think the week before Fearless Number 2 came out where you were doing a Night Nurse story. Mm -hmm. And we had yet to truly understand the power of Carla. (laughs) And Spider-Woman. So I have to ask, uh, since then, has your process changed um, during an ongoing series? I mean, my writing process has changed where, obviously, like, you know, when we did the Fearless uh, episode, or Fearless Mm -hmm. issue, yeah, it was a 10-page issue, and it was a lot of fun, and I I loved Linda Carter, Night Nurse, and so it was great bringing, you know, getting to do a story with her. But yeah, from there, you know, after that, had the the Punisher annual, had the Fantastic Four 2099 annual, mm-hmm. and then got the Spider-Woman series, which was my first ongoing series. Mm-hmm. And so the writing process, as I got, you know, bigger and bigger projects, that definitely evolved. Um, I like to, th- like, I feel like every time I write an issue... I am coming up with some new trick. It's like, oh, I figured out a way to make this a little faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, um, right. Which, you know, my editors might disagree based on my deadlines, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's definitely been a huge growing process in a very short amount of time. But it's it's definitely been a lot of fun figuring out. I mean, like, I, I, I definitely don't want to feel like I'm reinventing the wheel every time I, you know, the auteur, Carla Pacheco, sits down at her <laughs> laptop to write another brilliant issue of the, <laughs> the superhero funny pages. Uh, but yeah, basically a... I am. <laughs> <laughs> I always envisioned you as a, at a typewriter, maybe, and you're on a mountaintop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, it has been on a mountaintop at sometimes. Like, that was where I was pitching Spider-Woman. I was camping... On oh, a nice. desert. No, I was literally camping yeah. in the middle of the desert on a Arizona mountain when they asked if I wanted to write Spider Woman. And so I had to go down to a small mining town to steal Wi Fi. Yeah, to write, to send in my pitch to steal Wi Fi from a mining town. So, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm sure Kelly Thompson, Teeny Howard, Donnie Cates, they're all doing the exact same thing. Hmm. <laughs> Going to a mountaintop, yeah. yeah Allison, yeah. for the for the editors who are listening, Allison, did did Carla always meet her deadlines? Oh. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> no. If uh, uh, yeah, no. Very diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, that, gotcha. rem- remember she got grounded from reading, right? Right. Because she right, wasn't. Right. Meeting a deadline. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, the deadline in that case was like probably like cleaning the bathroom or starting sure. starting dinner. But yeah, it's sure. uh, you know, we 
we, we've learned a lot about mental processes over the years and executive dysfunction and ADHD. And, you know, we, we all learn valuable lessons as we process this stuff as we get older. Absolutely. <laughs> you just have to, you just have to look at the things that are done well and mm-hmm. figure out how to adjust to things like not meeting deadlines or <laughs> yeah. Sure, and, sure. And it's it, harder now, like if everybody inside and everyone's left to their own devices oh, a lot yeah, of the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I um, think that's challenging for everybody. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, Carlo, you've tweeted before about how you let uh, Perry Perez just go nuts in the art <laughs> department. And is there like an art to setting up an action sequence? Like what is what is your process together, like articulating how it goes down? Oh, for sure. Um well, I mean, we've like it was actually funny because my mom <laughs> just asked the other day. It's like, oh, is, uh, Para is still doing the the artwork for you? It's like, yeah, we have a mind meld. <laughs> <laughs> Even when we are setting up the action scenes, a lot of it comes because I'm writing specifically for Para. Sure. Like I want, I want him to be happy. I want him, especially after I make him draw like uh, five hundred clones. <laughs> <laughs> He's so um, good with those expansive sequences like that. He really, I love the layouts too. The layouts uh, are unreal. Uh, and and that's the thing is, I. Like when I'm writing for Para, I know mm-hmm. he's going to come up with something action based that's ten times better than anything I could possibly come up with. Mm-hmm. And so for me, my job is making sure that makes sense narratively. Sure, sure. And that happens both before he does the layouts and after he finishes the art, where I go through with the lettering pass to adjust to make sure that everything still makes sense. And Mm -hmm. if it doesn't, I'll rewrite it. Like, I don't care. Um, It looks cool. (laughs) And uh, so for writing for Para, like when we finally got the the third arc of Mm Spider-Woman, which will be starting after uh, that big old banger issue 10. (laughs) Um, So we do have a third arc coming and it's very, very cool and exciting, very action-based, which I know sounds ridiculous in a series that everyone has described as like, I can't breathe because there's so much action. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what we've been working on, like when we knew we were getting a third arc, Mm -hmm. I just like, Para and I are just emailing back and forth and I'm like, what do you want to draw? Like, what are some scenes Mm -hmm. that you really want in? What, what are some, things that you think would be cool what you know what do you want and mm-hmm. he was just like no writers ever asked me that <laughs> yeah uh, but for me that's like that, that's obviously going to get the best work sure that's yeah. you know it's what he's going to be excited about when and will hopefully make up for the sins when i make him draw you know <laughs> a horse being thrown th- through the air at a monster <laughs> truck which i definitely didn't do <laughs> i definitely did not Make him throw Uh-oh. a horse through the air. That, that sounds insane. It must be such a blast to draw this book because it never stops moving. I mean, and that's, <laughs> I love that about mm-hmm. about this series. Um, it's it's just it's so much fun. It was so much fun rereading it uh, to to prep for this because I, I was just like, oh yeah, this is there's so much happening that like in the space of one issue, Jessica's stolen two spaceships and one of them was <laughs> off panel. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> I love that. 
Well, it's like, I mean, that's what I think is so much fun about the book is it's intended to always have a cliffhanger. Yeah. Like it's always, I mean, my big deal is I always want every page turn to have some little moment that really makes you want to turn the next page. Yeah. And, and especially because you know, when you do, Pear is just going to have something amazing on it. Sure. Mm. And it'll be this incredible layout that utilizes so many different, uh, so many different really unique elements to it. And mm. it still plays into the story. And so I, I, but it's also like, I've obviously been laying in all these really ridiculous plot elements that you like, I, you know, I've been laying a little trail of breadcrumbs mm. <laughs> through each arc that once you get to read them all together, you're like, Oh, or sure. at least hope, hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully if I, I laid the breadcrumbs, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's always exciting to me. And yeah, what, what Para's do, doing with the art and Frankie on the colors mm-hmm. and Travis on lettering has all been phenomenal work. And and once again, shout out to Jake and Lindsay and Shannon and Nick and Danny for just being the most enabling editors a girl could ask for. Because <laughs> <Sure. laughs> every time I come up, just... So what if the entire Drew family is riding out on dinosaurs with laser guns? They're like, <laughs> yeah, go for it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think one of those issues I reviewed and I was like, this is like Dark Knight's death metal in that it's just insane. And they're just throwing everything at the wall. And it's so fun. It's a, you know, it's like we we try to have fun with it. And I, I definitely wanted to take it back to just really old school, over the top action yeah. movie comics and i think we've gotten really lucky with that and you know and mom will appreciate that i always loved action movies as a small child Mm -hmm. who mostly Mm -hmm. just sat in my room quietly reading (laughs) (laughs) i was such a nerd but like not in a cool way (laughs) did you have a favorite action uh series or or movie growing up no no, i said movies were too loud mostly Uh, okay (laughs) What, what westerns? Oh, wait, no, oh, no, actually, westerns, yes. So, oh, there were yeah, yeah. times growing up where I would, like during the summer, uh-huh. uh, again, being mom moment here, I would disconnect the TV and put it in the basement. Yeah. And so they'd go the whole summer without the without, without a TV. A TV. Wow. And we always only had one TV in the house. Mm-hmm. We didn't have tv in the kids bedrooms but one thing that we all enjoyed watching were westerns and mm-hmm. especially john wayne yeah so i'm I'm still like hardcore john wayne fan nice. uh, surprising yeah. right yeah. <laughs> uh allison is there a, a a comic book that carla could write that you would uh be excited for say batman spider-man something like that you know anytime she writes something i can read i'm excited mm-hmm. That's actually, so that's, that's usually every time I've written something, uh, as a professional adult, she, uh-huh. the first question is always, can I read it? And normally <laughs> the answer is nope. <laughs> so gotcha. I, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, you're probably familiar with Inspector Pancakes, the book she wrote. I've yet to read that. Oh, one. I have not read it. No. I have not read that either. No, I, I hear but, that it's quite funny. I'm going to put it on my list. Yeah, Inspector Pancakes. That was the Inspector Pancakes, the uh, children's uh, <clears throat> children's book that I wrote. Uh-huh. That was a large print children's book, but then the fine print was a really grisly noir. 
Oh, oh cool. I remember hearing about this. I never, I know I have not read it. Yeah, so I, I, I did. To. I, I that sounds a, right up my alley. I, I made a mom-friendly version for mom mm-hmm. where I whited out all of the noir part. And oh, I thought, yeah, that's yeah. great. And I thought the book was great without the adult version that I didn't get to read, but yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> no, I think, I think I would, I think it would be fun um, if Carla did a comic book that was a, had a mother daughter. I mean, technically I didn't spoil well, woman. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's she true. Says, she says the mother daughter relationships in spider woman is not at all based on her relationship with me, <laughs> which is true, which I appreciate. But yes. That's important so to point maybe out. For a, sure. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. a mother daughter dual, uh, super hero. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Like Batman and Robin, but it's Batman and his mom. Yeah. 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 Wait, uh, I mean, <laughs> slight issue with that. Right. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe she's a zombie. I don't know. <laughs> Batman and his zombie mother, who's nice and not a clone, unlike Jessica right. Drews. <laughs> right. Uh, Carla, in the perfect world, how long does this Spider-Woman run go? Uh, until they stop paying me. Got it. Right. Got it. <laughs> I love money. Uh, no, uh. And 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 hey, Marvel! The more money you give me, the less my mother worries. So you don't want to make oh, this boy. sweet Allison worry, do you? <laughs> just, keep, just keep just keep pumping out those Spider Women. Come on. <laughs> um, no, it's I, I would definitely I'd love to I, I'd love to keep going with the book. We've we've got some really cool stuff coming up in this next arc. We've yeah. got new villains. We've got some deep cut villains. We've got monster trucks. We have horses being thrown. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a, we, have, we have swords. It, it's mm-hmm. a very, very cool couple issues that we have coming up after this first arc ends. And I would definitely love to just keep going with it. I, yeah. I, I just want to pe- beat Chip on Daredevil. Come on. Mm. Right. <laughs> just, <laughs> right. For length. Yeah, let let me just mm-hmm. go go longer and further than uh, than Chip or anyone else ever in Marvel history. Though that said, I I did have uh, Spider Woman number one come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a couple weeks later, I was writing uh, Spider Woman number one hundred. So clearly, mm-hmm. I That's am true. the uh, most prolific Marvel writer <laughs> of all time. The <laughs> fastest from one to one hundred. You're right. Oh my god, yeah. that actually could be a record you hold. That's so funny. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, um, you know, Jessica has a really wicked sense of humor. It's one of the things that I I really appreciate about her. Um, what do you think the secret is to her maintaining that during like the worst situations? Uh, trauma. <laughs> it's yeah. a, no, it's, it's, it's humor is a coping mechanism. Sure. Right. Which right. is definitely something when you're in an awkward situation and you don't really know how to deal with it. And so instead you make a joke rather than mm-hmm. dealing with feelings that might be a, a thing I relate to. Oh, I was just going to say, I know exactly where Jessica gets that. <laughs> <laughs> now, Carla has, uh, you know, we've been in some tough situations together before, and uh, she always has a good, you know, one-liner that, that just brings the seriousness of it down to something that you can laugh about. And yeah, sure. I, I, right. I don't think I, I think that's healthy. I don't think it's unhealthy as long as you're still dealing with the issues. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, 
I'm good at the first part. Maybe the second part, not as much. But yeah, it's definitely... Uh, well, and I, I, I feel like I actually... The humor is a coping mechanism is something I got from you. Yeah, it's, yeah you know, I, I would I would say that's probably true. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely always been a thing of... You know, we, we make jokes at the time when, you know, when things are painful, it's a lot of times we, we still laugh through it. And that's definitely something that we share in common. Yeah. 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 Then you don't, you don't avoid it. You just, you know, take a break from it for a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I, that's what I love about the character is that she's always facing it head on, but she's still got, you know, a a smart comment to make about it. Yeah. But yeah, so that's definitely, it's, uh, I, I, I've clearly been, I, I don't think I've been shy about the fact that I'm kind of like, that I just, I relate really hard to Jess mm. other, other than having superpowers cause not yet, but still fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. Uh, <laughs> um, and that, that attitude is definitely something that I relate really hard to. And that's sure. definitely what I've been writing into the character. <laughs> um, Chip Serdarsky was on the show a few weeks ago to talk about Afterlift, which made me wonder, would you ever want to try digital first comics? No comment for the moment. Oh. Sure. Uh, okay. No comment okay. for the moment. But yes, that sound comics that come out online in some sort of platform are definitely mm-hmm. an interesting thing. I think it's mm. a very cool thing you can do and there's a lot of options you can use with it mm-hmm. and i will probably leave it there okay cool <laughs> <laughs> well uh you mentioned in the uh in the letters column for number issue number nine you've been building miniature doll houses <laughs> i have two questions what <laughs> and tell me more <laughs> actually uh so uh I got the love of miniatures from my mom's side of the family. Cool. Okay. Which you could, Aunt Harris. I had a a favorite aunt who uh, collected antique toys and dollhouses and actually collected so much that she and a friend of hers had to open a museum in Kansas City. Oh, (laughs) wow. That's cool. It's now called the National uh, Toy and Miniature Museum. Anyway, it's quite a fabulous place. So a shout out it's to very that. Cool. It's very, very cool. But uh, so that was Carla always... when she was little made a bunch of little clay figurine miniatures that yeah. she gave to my aunt. My aunt said, "Oh, I will put these in the museum." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that's wow. what I that's what I intended." We never <laughs> we, we never we never have seen those no, in the museum. No. But... They, they might oh, okay. be they might they might be somewhere in a broom closet or something. <laughs> They're in the basement of the dollhouses. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you just much like you got to find the uh, the basement of the Alamo in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. You oh just, yes. <laughs> Find the basement of the antique toy and miniature museum uh, to find the little uh, uh, tea set that I made out of Play-Doh. Uh, That's so, precious. So, so, so yes. So, as a child, I have always enjoyed very tiny miniatures. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. As an adult, I have sometimes found it challenging to write the letters column when everyone is being really nice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't really have anything snarky to say. Uh, oh, like I, I am constantly asking Lindsay, our my my our fantastic editors, like, did you? Get, she's like, oh, here's the here's the letters column. Here's the letters we got 
for this week. Like, do you want to yeah. write them up for issue nine or issue eight? And, and every time I will be, did you get me mean ones? Like, <laughs> no, sorry. Everyone likes the book. I saw uh, you write that in an, in an early yeah, issue. You were just no, like, that was for real. It was all nice. They were all nice. We yeah, finally, finally, I'd almost finished it. And finally we got one, somebody who didn't like it. I was like, Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> Nathan, we know what our job is now. We need to write in. <laughs> I can't spider woman. Are you <laughs> kidding? Okay. Me? No, so, so, spite, send it, just email them to spideyoffice at marvel.com and write. Okay. To print. <laughs> perfect it'd be funny if they actually went up after this podcast goes live <laughs> but yeah so i i didn't really have a uh an approach for the most recent letter column so yes i just wrote about me trying i bought a whole bunch of those really i bought like three they were on sale of these really cool little miniature like room kits i'll show you one uh, I'll show mm. you later, mom. They're really cool. Uh, then they turned out to be super complicated. Sure. <laughs> like it wasn't just putting together a kit. Like you had to paint things and do wiring and the glue didn't really work and yeah. the bookshelves are kind of warped and you had to cut out. They had just like three pages of teeny, teeny, teeny miniature books and you had to cut out each individual one and then fold them. And I was like, I'm just going to make wild. this look like crap this is gonna look terrible yeah um and then of course some artists the reason i found them was because a couple artists like on twitter and stuff had posted like oh i just made this beautiful little greenhouse it's like that looks so cool i want one of course those are artists not writers um, <laughs> ham-fisted <laughs> uh angry writers so so yeah it was it was a frustrating it was a frustrating time. I Yeah, it's I like had, a zen thing, right? Like a relaxation of like yeah. putting it together. And I was so excited, like when I first broke it open, you know, uh, the stunt honey, you know, my partner, the the stunt man, he was mm -hmm. just like, oh, you look so happy. Because I just, I was painting a little wall. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to put this wallpaper up. And then I like looked to the next piece and I was just like, oh, no. Oh, 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 no. Oh, 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 gosh. Um, maybe you should go back to Play-Doh. Yeah, yeah. No, man, if you could see figures. some of my artist friends do with Sculpey, it's like, it, it, that's a problem with being uh, the writer in an artistic field is all mm. of your friends are just owning you nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> and and most, it's a competition. Of them, most of them can write as well, which is no. just unfair. Like, right. that's not cool. Uh, right, like Chip Zdarsky, he's doing covers for uh, his oh, new Spider-Man yeah. book. Yeah, well, it's, he started out as an artist, so yeah, Ugh. yeah. But well, I mean, my 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 brother is a very very talented painter, so I'm just lucky oh. that like mom was, I guess, like, I mean, we we picked our own fields, but we were lucky that we diverged, mm -hmm. I guess, <laughs> early on. <laughs> They went the creative so, side. They they could have they could have either one of them would have made a great engineer, but they 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 went the creative side, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems to have worked out so far. It has for both of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carla, when you eventually win an Eisner, who will you thank first? Well, obviously. <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, it's obviously going to be Para. <laughs> um. 
or or or, or I might just turn it on its uh, just thank me. I'd like to thank me for I how awesome it. I am. I did it. Finally, I did it, and you guys recognized it. You chumps. Uh, I will never get one of these. have seen this before. <laughs> I will never get one of these again, so I'm just going to go all out. <laughs> Perfect. Hopefully we can do it in, a, in real time, in a real place. Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Although right. if you're nominated this year, then it will be digital, I think, or virtual, I should say. Uh, of course. Like, but, I mean, the whole point is that, I, like, the whole point of why I won a nomination is mm -hmm. why I want one so badly, and I'm not even going to pretend. Like, yeah, no. Mm -hmm. Yes, awards don't matter. Ba, 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 ba. No, I want an Eisner. Please give me an Eisner. Uh, I always <laughs> wanted one just because, like, you had like free food and drinks. Like, yes. I want to I, I go to the party. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't don't give me one on Zoom. It's of course gonna be the one I win. Ah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah I, I covered it. I covered the Eisners two years ago, and it, the food looked tasty. I was out in the, you know, in the audience with no food, but uh, <laughs> watching afar. But yeah, it, it it looks like a lot of fun. Well, I mean, I, I found out we got nominated for a Locus Award like five months after the fact. I oh, didn't even right, know we yeah. got. I didn't even know we got nominated, and that's like a huge like science and like the the books that were nominated for it were all super amazing and. Uh, mm -hmm. And I didn't even know we we got nominated for that, but it was cool. Like we didn't win, but we didn't deserve to. Everything was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the truth with awards, right, is like when you get nominated or you win, it helps your career. You right. can say that. You can put that on your resume. So like that's huge. I mean, that's that's fingers crossed. But it's also comics. Like, does anything help our careers? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's like, true. We, like if we like we wouldn't be in comics if we hadn't made a series of poor life decisions. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like ninety nine percent of it is like passion projects, right? You do this because you love it. Yeah, and I also love money, so that's also good. Hey, right, right. Speaking of and, money, and, and I didn't cut it as an engineer. I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> uh, do you have any other projects uh, that are coming up that you'd like to discuss today? Uh, that I'd like to discuss, yes. But that you can, nothing you can. <laughs> nope. Gotcha. Fair enough. Uh, there are there are uh, there are a few things that I am looking forward to working on in the future. I hope. Nice. Cool. Yeah. That contract I just signed works out okay. <laughs> nice. All right. In our last segment, Off Topic Top Shelf, we're going to ask you both, what are you into right now that's not comics related? Well, mom will have an easy one with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, so my husband and I raise uh, Hereford cattle, beef cattle. Oh. Uh, and cool. um, a lot. It's not a hobby ranch it's a it's a lot it, of cat it's, it's a lot a, of headache it's a lot of head of cattle it's a it's uh -huh. a lot of cattle but um that keeps me pretty pretty occupied sure especially with all the uh the the cold weather they had to carry around like a little calf in the back of the car so that Aww. yeah we're uh in the midwest and yeah. uh pretty frigid temperatures this last week so but at the cattle actually did better than what we expected the guys had to work pretty hard long hours and so i i think we'll we will come out of it pretty well but that that occupies and that's obviously not anything related to comics <laughs> <laughs> no no i don't think so and until i write my big uh herford uh <laughs> herford arc for spider woman <laughs> 
Or the what is that bat cow? You could do bat cow at DC Comics. Oh, uh, well, I'll just I'll just do Spider Woman Goes West. It'll be fun. Ooh, there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, I did send Jerry to a farm upstate. Uh, Spider Woman's son. I sent him to a farm that's upstate. True. Oh, and, that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. Got some and, shenanigans and that out of first that. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was so confused by that one. Uh, they're like, I was. They're like, is the baby coming back? I sent him to a farm upstate. Oh no. Like, no, I literally <laughs> sent him to a farm upstate. He's writing. It's not notes. a euphemism. It's great. <laughs> yeah, not a euphemism. <laughs> Carla, what are you into right now? That's not comics related. It could be uh, a show, movies, books. I've uh, been watching a lot of uh, really old BBC shows. Mm, so oh, uh, David Suchet's Poirot is yes. top of the list. Um, also been reading, watching uh, Foil's War, and what's the other? Uh, Oh, Lovejoy, always good. Nice. Uh, the yeah. best, the best part about watching all these old BBC shows is mm-hmm. the BBC basically has six actors. Yeah, <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and so, if you watch, you know, a Doctor Who, uh, mm-hmm. a Lovejoy, uh, The Prisoner, if you watch, right. you know, uh, a Poirot or Sherlock Holmes, like the Jeremy Brent Sherlock Holmes is amazing. Yes. But you watch any of those, you know, a Doctor Who or then any other new BBC show that comes out, it's always, oh, that guy. It's like it's Um, like the BBC is like a repertory company or something. It it really is, which I mean, it basically they do. It's the Royal Shakespeare Company and then they just recycle everyone. Uh, So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. The joke is always like, yeah, BBC has like eight actors. Maybe a drink when Derek Jacoby shows up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, Cadfail for Derek Jack- Jacoby. Yeah. Hell yeah. Cadfail How do you guys great. not know it's not a BBC multiverse and it's the same person just in a different universe? <laughs> because only Lovejoy has young, hot Ian McShane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do not watch these shows. But then everybody else in Lovejoy is like... Yeah. They... I, I, well, it's also, I, I mean, I think this is what's also funny about some of the, like, the Lovejoy era shows. Like, mm-hmm. they're, like, Lovejoy is like, oh, this woman is so hot. And it's like, uh-uh. British hot, I guess. She's 80s British, <laughs> British hot, hot. Exactly. 80s, br- 80s British hot. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, oh, I would, I, you know, that's the type of face you'd kill for. It's like, she looks like an English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Which, hey, English teachers, many of them, very, very attractive. Sure, I'm just sure. saying. Yeah, but yeah, 80s, 80s British hot is certainly a very, very distinct uh, look. <laughs> almost, almost any time my girlfriend and I watch something from the 70s or 80s, she's just like, so people are going to throw it all away for this person. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, in a way, I kind of appreciate that because it, sure. it makes me feel it makes me feel better about myself. I'm just, <laughs> Oh yeah, actually, you know what? I could have killed in the eighties. Like right. yeah. No, you know what? Maybe I am still hot. Just the current media is telling me lies. So it's like, no, I, I feel pretty good about this. Yeah, maybe I should go to Twin Peaks. <laughs> hey, I've been to that coffee shop. It is really good pie. Oh, cool. Ooh. Yeah. So that, I think I took you up there, Ma, right? The uh like up to uh Rattlesnake Snake Lake and then uh North Bend. There was the coffee shop that has the really good app, Cherry Pie. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Um, so, yeah, been to the day. <laughs> Carla Pacheco, thank you so much for being on the show. Allison, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. 
Spider-Woman number 10 comes out March 17th. This has been a blast. Uh, thank you guys so much for having us on and uh, and for my mom for not not embarrassing me and hopefully me not embarrassing her. Yeah, yeah. this was great. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Yeah, we got some great insight. <laughs> Into what <laughs> makes Carla Pacheco work eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me know if you need more information. I've got lots. <laughs> <laughs> You can start your own Twitter, and then we can just start following that. She's not allowed on Twitter. Don't encourage. No, 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 no. One Carla fact every day. Boundaries. Boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. 